Let's just bow our heads and let's go to our Lord and Savior in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning and that you care deeply about each one of us. And Lord, when we think about your hand be upon each one of our lives, we can't imagine uh, how great you are and how you guide us through life and, and protect us. And we just want to thank you for that. We, we lift up those who are not feeling well today and, the, and those who are in the hospital. We pray for Ray Anderson that you'll just be with him and your healing hand be upon him. And for Linda, we just lift her up as well. And Lord, some of the others, little Micah, we pray for him. And, and Lord, we just pray for, for healing amongst all those who are just not feeling well. Uh, we uh, pray for those who are maybe traveling. We just ask that you give them traveling mercies. But Lord, we look at our, our own life and, and some of the different issues that are taking place. And it could be financial. It could be uh, job related. It could be family relationships. But Lord, we just uh, leave it all at your feet today, knowing that you... Uh, you hear our prayers and you answer our prayers. And Lord, right now, for the, we, I just pray that we can open up our hearts uh, for your word today. And Lord, as we go out of here, that we will rejoice knowing that we've been in your house. And again, we just thank you for who you are. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're uh, going to be talking today. We're taking tidbits out of Proverbs. And today we're going to be talking about work. Be wise in the way that we work. Now, we've got, we just got through the big holiday season with Thanksgiving and then Christmas and then New Year's. And I guess there is a holiday this week too, right? Got Martin Luther King. Well, after a holiday weekend, sometimes it's kind of hard to get back into the swing of things. Hard to get back into the routine, get back to work. In fact, if we're honest... There's probably days that uh, you get up and you find it kind of difficult to get ready for work because you're not real excited about it, right? And it might be because you might be overly tired. It might be because you stayed up too, uh, too late the night before. Or you might just not be happy with your job and going to work for you is a struggle each and every day. Now, it's probably not just true about jobs, but it's probably true with about anything that we do that we dread, whether it's volunteering, exercising. How many get excited about exercising, you know? Um, whatever it is, sometimes there's things in our life that it's just tough to get excited about. And so, like I mentioned, we're going through this book of Proverbs a little bit. And hopefully we're going to gain wisdom as we seek to follow the words and the advice of Solomon. Does anybody remember what we talked about last week? Anybody remember the week before? Because I've just been repeating the same sermon for three weeks now and you still haven't figured it out. I need Axton to do the memory verse. He'd probably know it from last week. So, today we're talking about work. And for most people, we look at work as kind of a necessary evil. There's probably not too many people who are just amazed at what they're getting paid to do what they just love to do. 
And it's sometimes difficult for us to see some of the, the athletes or the actors or the musicians or others getting paid millions and millions of dollars. And the sad part is they're getting paid all of this, these millions of dollars and then they start complaining. And we look at it as, wow, that's kind of weird. I've got an interesting statistic here, and it's maybe hard for us to comprehend some of these numbers. But if you just take some of the players in the NBA, just for fun, the 454th lowest paid player in the NBA was named Shelvin Mack, and he earns $1 million. That's one of the lowest. Now, if you want to go to the other end of the spectrum, and you take like a Steph Curry, he makes just a little bit, just a little over $40 million a year, which comes out to a paycheck of about $770,000 a week. And it'd uh, be kind of hard to live on something like that, wouldn't it? Okay, we'll get back to reality here. Uh, it's difficult sometimes for us to determine the American attitude towards work because we've got all these conflicting attitudes. Some people hate their jobs and they work only because they have to. Others are obsessed with their job and that's all that they do is work with the exclusion of everything else in their life. And what's interesting, those who are kind of workaholics probably fall into the category is they get to the point where they hate their jobs or at least they don't get as much fulfillment from their job as they wish they could. You will spend about 80,000 hours of your life working. Now that doesn't include commute time or travel time. That's just strictly on the job. In 1973, the average American spent 40 hours at work. In 1987, that increased to 46 hours. So today, it says if you're a professional, you work an average of 52 hours a week. And if you're a small business owner, you work an average of 57 hours a week. Some of you are thinking, I wish I only worked 57 hours a week. But you will spend more time working and commuting to work and thinking about work than anything else that you will do in your life. You'll spend more time at work than you will with your family, with your friends, in your leisure activities, in your spiritual activities. So whether you like it or not, work dominates your life. So are we feeling uplifted? Everybody excited? Our memory verse in Colossians. 317. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here the Apostle Paul is pretty clear about how we should be acting in our daily lives. There's nothing magical, mystical, or crazy about what he's telling us here. He says, whatever you do. So if you're working, if you're at school, if it's volunteering, if it's retirement, it really doesn't matter because your attitude about what you do reveals God in you. 
So whatever you do, whether you are talking, whether you are doing, it says we're supposed to do everything in the name of Jesus. So think about this. If you're just going through the motions at work, if you're just going through the motions as a volunteer or as a spouse or in your hobby or anything that you're doing, if you're just doing it kind of in a half-hearted manner, you're not bringing glory and honor to God. You're not revealing God's true nature and character. But sometimes we struggle with work. We wonder, why am I doing what I'm doing? I struggle with that sometimes. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And maybe what we ought to be asking ourselves is why do we do the job that we're doing? Are we doing it strictly because of the pay? Is it because I have a debt and I have to work? Is it because it's the only place that would hire me? And I guess what I'm saying is money is not money is not a sufficient motivation for work. Got to have it out of it. You're not going to work for free. Nobody expects you to. But if the only reason that you show up for work is to get a paycheck, then the joy and the opportunity to make Christ evident in your life is probably going to fade away a little bit. People are going to see that you don't care and you lack effort. And a boss does not want an employee who is only there for the paycheck. They would like him to kind of tap into the business. Give their all. Think of it this way. If you call a lawyer, the strong arm of the law, do you want a lawyer who only sees you as billable hours? Or do you want a lawyer who believes in you and your case? Or you go to the doctor. Do you want a, a doctor who sees your illness as a down payment on his new car? Or do you want a doctor who wants you to be healthy? So you see, money alone is not a good motive for working. So what should our motivation be? We need to look at it in terms of our job is an opportunity to serve God. Work is not a waste of time. It's an opportunity to serve God. Now think about this. God would not design things in such a way that you have to spend 40% of your waking hours in futility. Whatever you do for a living, you can perform your job as an act of service to God. If you're retired, you can use your retirement as an act of service to God. Now there's a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. that you've probably heard. And you can see the uh, age of it. But it says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, 
Here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And in a sense, that's our call as well. God calls us, and one of the best statements that God could say to us is, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we all have probably a human boss. Or, if you're self-employed, your boss is probably your customers. However, beyond that, when you go to your job, there is something happening on a spiritual level. You have the opportunity to give your life as service to God. And that should give you great motivation to do the best that you possibly can do. Now, there's a lot of passages, because you're probably looking at it going, I thought we were doing Proverbs. We'll get to it. We've got plenty of time. The choir wasn't able to sing today. You know? We sang two really short hymns. Sang half a doxology. But there are a lot of passages in Proverbs which speak about work. And I'm going to share a couple that don't. But I think they're vital if we're going to be teachable and successful. Proverbs 1, verses 5 and 8 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Verse 8 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. So here's what I think we can get from Solomon here. I could give you passage after passage from Proverbs which basically mirror these verses. Basically, he's telling us is we all need to be teachable. If if you are young, you don't know it all. You might think you do, but you don't. And I don't mean it in a bad way. But a lot of times, there's a lot of people think they're know-it-alls, and everybody else knows that they're faking it. We all, doesn't matter what age we are, we all have to be open to learn, to grow in wisdom. And you know, the very first message that just sunk into your mind so well a couple weeks ago about the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Starting to strike a little bit there, Ben, Ben. There's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge and they know the Bible inside and out and they can quote every verse. They could probably uh, uh, quote you the Bible backwards. But they don't apply it to their lives. All they have is this head knowledge. And they're very super smart. But they're walking encyclopedias. But that's as far as it goes. So if you're young and learning, or if you're old and learning, even if you know something, we've got to be open-minded to learn even more. God's Word speaks really new things to us a lot of times every day as we're in God's Word. We need to make sure that our attitude is in our heart, in a way, in our spirit, and in our mind, that we want to take in more and more and more of God's Word. Now, if if you're older and you've been around the block a few times, maybe God's asking us to teach the younger. Now, we've got some teachers here teaching people, and I commend them being able to do that. 
I substituted once. And I, I, I say that every adult ought to substitute one day. It would change your whole attitude about education. But um, it was an interesting, very interesting experience. And if you're having trouble with patience, it's a good profession not to go in. But it teaches you patience. Because a lot of, if you're teaching younger people, or if you're teaching anybody, it takes patience to show that Christ loves them. And part of the, part of the problem is, is some of the generational things we have today. Now, I don't, I don't mean to pick on ages and all of that. This is just facts, okay? There's people in their 40s and older living in a different generation than those under. And we've seen with technology and all the things happening today that it's a whole different world. There's a different thinking. There's different morals. There's a whole different way of looking at things. And so that automatically puts us, puts us at odds with younger co-workers. And many times that happens on a daily basis. Have you ever met somebody younger that maybe thinks differently than you? Or maybe we look at them and say their work ethic is not the same as ours. They don't see life the way we see it. And a lot of times we can look at this and just easily dismiss it and say, what a bunch of uh, lazy people. But that's not necessarily the case. Our job, however, is to help them see Christ in us and it's hopefully to help them to be able to grow so that they can make good, wise decisions. So in some ways, if you have somebody younger in your life, you're acting, you might be their parent. You're trying to help them grow up. The interesting thing is, you're going to learn an awful lot from them. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 16.3, he says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. You see, God will honor your plans because your plans are based on God. Not on money, not on other people. And so when we work for the Lord, when we commit all that we are doing to Him, He says our plans will succeed. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to be, all become multimillionaires. It's not talking about that. It might even mean our company doesn't succeed the way that we thought. But it's an opportunity to honor God with whatever goes on in what we're doing. Jesus told us in Mark 10.45, He says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Take hold of that passage. There are so many of us that want other people to serve us. And a lot of times, I believe in the world today, we have a hard, it's a hard concept of service to others. We don't consider what it means to serve others. 
we say, he didn't help me, so I'm not going to help him. And when we do that and have a bad attitude about that, we lose the opportunity to help somebody in need and make the power of Christ real and visible in our lives. Others. And I can't think of any job that doesn't somehow benefit other people. What you are doing, whether directly or indirectly, is going to have an effect on someone else. Now, how many of you ever worked in a restaurant? Did it bring a lot of joy to your life? No. How about a retail store? Anybody work in a store? Okay. Because this is kind of interesting. How many of you have had a bad experience at a restaurant? How about at a store? Okay. So... Did you take it out on them, even if it wasn't their fault? Because a lot of times we go into everything that we do as, how is this going to benefit me? And we forget about, how am I going to be a witness to them? And so too often we approach our job or we approach wherever we are at with the, me with the mentality of what is the least that I can get away with doing and still get a paycheck. Or we might use phrases such as, that's good enough. Nobody cares anyway. What's interesting about those statements are, is that honoring to Christ? I mean, even if nobody cares, God does. And I think we need to keep that in mind. We should too. Another phrase that you maybe have heard so many times that you can probably say with me. Are you ready? If a job is worth doing. So if a job is worth doing, it is worth doing well. Now, maybe you work in an environment that doesn't reward quality. Maybe your boss doesn't require quality but I'll bet he would appreciate your extra effort. Because remember, you're not working for your boss necessarily, you're working for God. Proverbs 18.9 says, One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. And it means that if you're not going to take what you're doing seriously, not that you can't have fun on the job, but if you're really lazy in what you're doing, you're no better than the person who destroys things. You become destructive with what you're doing. I mean, think of the restaurants or the stores that you have swore you'll never eat in or go to again because of the experience that you maybe had. It was maybe because you had to deal with someone who was not very nice to you. They drove you away from that business. If you're a boss, think of how that destroys your company. If you have those kinds of workers. How an employee's disrespect will cost the company. So I have a, I have a couple thoughts. Barry's ready, head up. In conclusion, 
Get that out of the way. I've got four verses out of Solomon that Solomon made. Basically, he made a lot of statements, but here's four of them, a positive and negative. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 12.11 says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 12.24 says, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. And the point is that your attitude and your work ethic is going to determine a great deal in life. It's true no matter what age you are, whether you're younger or older. It's true in whatever you're going to do. In a sense, we need to take pride in what we're doing because we're doing it all for Christ. So whether at work, at home, at school, volunteering, whatever you might be doing. And I guess the question that you want to ask yourself is this. How much of yourself do you give? How much of yourself do you give and you can fill in the blank. Do you give to God? Do you give your family? Do you give your friends? And it comes down to this. Always honor and glorify Christ. Make Christ known by the way that you live your life and how you're embracing His wisdom and you're applying it into your world. Be wise in the way you do things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for just this great day to be together. And Lord, you know all of our hearts. You know all of our attitudes. You know all the places that we will be this next week. You know our work situations. You know our family situations. You know our friends. You know school. You know everything about us. And Lord, I just pray that all of us here this morning can just make a commitment to give our all for your glory and your honor. Lord, that we can be shining examples to the people around us, no matter what situation we're in. We might be in some pretty poor situations. Lord, I just ask that we can somehow have an attitude that will bring glory and honor to you. And so, Lord, we thank you for these verses of wisdom and just pray that we can go out this week serving you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.